Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. I'd like to talk to you um, about uh, commitment today. Um, and uh, I original, my original title for this message was uh, Get Yourself Committed, which could mean uh, bad things. You know, it could mean you're going into a place uh, where you need mental help. But uh, uh, how many knows we do need mental help? Yeah, yeah, because apparently that our thought processes uh, were messed up, and uh, so when Jesus rose from the dead and we got born again, uh, we um, actually, our goal is to replace our mind with the mind of Christ, isn't it? And uh, so we speak out of our mouth and say, I thank you, Father, that I have the mind of Christ, isn't that right? And uh, so uh, whatever, uh, you know, Christ, whatever, however he thinks is how we want to think. In fact, Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Isn't that right? And uh, so we're, we're wanting to look at uh, our life because, you know, the word Christian actually means Christ-like. And so we endeavor uh, to live in this way, in a, a way that... Uh, would uh, mirror him and how he uh, would conduct himself, how he would treat others and how he sees other people, uh, that's how we want to see. Isn't that right? Uh, to, to measure people uh, as God would measure people. Amen? And uh, we are, actually, I did want to mention that we are in uh, Palm Sunday. Did anybody know that today? Yeah. Yeah. Did anybody bring a branch? Look at her. Whoa. Go ahead, girl. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Way to go. That's awesome. Praise God. Um, so I, I thought um, we, we not, not always do we mention it when we come through this Sunday because it starts this last and final week. And, and uh, as you go into some very, very powerful things that took place between uh, this Sunday and then Resurrection Sunday, which is the Christian Super Bowl. Come on. Huh? <laughs> Where we have won, Jesus Christ had won our victory for all eternity. And as we mentioned, that changes everything. So, so here, uh, Jesus uh, is coming into uh, Jerusalem, and um, they are actually not just throwing branches out on the, on the ground, but they're actually throwing their clothes out on the ground. And uh, making the way for him, um, to, it was a, a point of honor. And uh, that was actually known that when uh, people of honor would come through, that it was, was a way they would express honor, would to throw branches down for them. So they're not walking on dirt, they're walking on the branches. And, and uh, branches were a form of honor uh, to, uh, that in so much that they would put them on buildings. I, I believe Solomon's kingdom, he had branches uh, uh, in the in the ingrained in the buildings and and, and so so to, just to have a, a concept of of what happened a week before uh, Jesus purchased our redemption and you know the Pharisees were saying you know stop those people from singing they're all saying Hosanna 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 blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and uh, so so they're trying to stop them and you know Jesus response was if you if you shut them up the rocks will cry out. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I've always thought, I ain't going to let no rock replace me. I'm going to worship. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. So, so um, Christianity revolves around, of course, the event 
of Jesus Christ, uh, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and it's, it's through that event that we now have free access to the mind of Christ and how we are able uh, to, to start thinking uh, rightly, if you will. And, and, and it's not the, the norm how we think. We don't think as this world thinks. We think as God thinks. Praise God. And it makes us peculiar. And uh, that, that's why the scriptures uh, call us out in such a way. And, uh, you know, peculiar. We're not the norm. We function um, from a different realm and have a different perspective. And uh, we don't uh, knee-jerk respond, at least we're not supposed to, to uh, the things that people do to us. We have a, a different mandate of response, and that is to love, to owe no man anything but love, right? And uh, so we want to see how Jesus lived his life and how, how that would apply to us. And uh, uh, so, so in, the, in the area of commitment, um, uh, there is a cost, isn't there? I said there is a cost. I mean, many of us, you know, we, we, you know, we come out of a different, you know, view. We were acting a different way. And, and so there is a slaying of this flesh. Isn't that right? And everything that's worth something costs something. And uh, so, so I really, you know, endeavor, uh, to, uh, you know, to be, uh, try to be slow to speak because the first thought may not be the right one. That might not be the mind of Christ. So we work at not saying those things because it might be coming from that old man. You understand? And uh, some of us, it's harder for, than others, you know. It's like, no, I just tell the truth. You see, I always got to tell the truth. I just tell people like it is. Well, you know what? Maybe, possibly, that's not walking in love. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times that it is. That you have to speak the truth. There you go, brother. In love. Rather than speaking the truth because you're cool, smart, and you're right. Really, a lot of times, it's pride. I'm better than you because. Now, that's not what you said, but that's exactly what's going on. But Jesus didn't come here to, to run his own game, did he? He didn't come here to be served. He came to serve. And he showed us by washing his disciples' feet that this is a different program I'm implementing into the world. This is me giving myself so that you will give yourself. Peter said, oh, no, 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 no. You're the high command. You cannot and will not wash my feet. Jesus said this. It's very interesting. If I don't, you have no part of me. And you're like, what? So this is a whole different concept. A servant leader. Wow. And the Jews, they just couldn't get their head around it. You had the zealots saying, when are we going to take over? Let's go. I have a sword. Jesus is like, dial it back, bro. 
And he went to the cross. And they're like so confused. He rose from the dead. He says to us, freely you have received. Now you freely give. That's something. It's so different. In the definition, one of the definitions of commitment is given by the example of a bacon and egg breakfast. The chicken is involved, but the pig is committed. I know everybody's thinking about that right now. And the chicken's still clucking. But the pig gave his life for your breakfast. And sometimes we may want to ask ourselves, are we truly committed to do the will of the Father? When it came to that place where Jesus was met with that decision in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. This is a, a, an outcome of extreme anxiety. This actually happens in our day, and people actually perish from that. Not everybody survives blood coming out of the pores of your skin. But just a measurement of Jesus' anxiety as he's wrestling with the will of the Father and his own will. He said it, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And he set his face as a flint towards the cross. Why? For the joy that was set before him. You were the joy that was set before him. You were worth it. So we see Jesus' level of commitment to the will of the Father. So ultimately, if we're going to follow Christ, you're going to have to follow his level of commitment to the Father. And we wear bracelets, you know, what would Jesus do, you know, WWJD. I think a lot of folks just wear it casually, but I tell you what, that is, is no casual thing. To live your life as Christ would have you to live it is a crucified life. Paul said, I have died and my life is hid with Christ in God. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in this flesh, I will live through the faith of the Son of God. It is the only true way to live. It is a crucified life. And they confronted Jesus. He's with the woman at the well, and they're trying to figure out why in the world are you talking to this unclean woman? The Samaritan. And, you know, that, you, know you say the word Samaritan, and the Jews are like, you know. And he's talking to them. He's like, Jesus. And so it's like, wow. He said, Jesus, have you eaten? He said, my meat 
is to do the will of my Father. He said, I have meat that you don't know about. And so here we are wanting to follow that example, follow the Christ-like example and give ourselves over to him and give ourselves over to the Father. Jesus said, I only say what I hear him say. I only do what I see him do. Amen. Praise the Lord. Right. And so in the, the you know, area of commitment, We just are seeking the Father for uh, instructions, hearing his voice, and, and conducting ourselves in a very different way. Praise God. Adam committed high treason, and Jesus came and rescued us from the tyranny of Satan. And so now we are translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And we conduct ourselves in a very different way. When people can't tell if you're a Christian, I think that is a problem. People should notice that you are different. You don't talk like everyone else. You don't act like everybody else. You don't respond like everyone else. Do you understand? Yes. Hallelujah. So we, we are committed. We are all in. Everybody say, I'm all in. I'm all in. Praise God. I, I was uh, raised um, in a denomination, a religion, uh, that, uh, you know, I pretty much went to church every week. I was going to church in so much that when I started doing drugs and partying and being crazy at 12 years old, that I never quit going to church. I went through the processes of that uh, particular group and, and uh, uh, did, you know, checked off all the out, outer things that you would do, but the only problem was, was the inner thing was still dead. <laughs> I was dead spiritually. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, I became born again uh, that I was able to do what I'm speaking about today. There is no way that you can do this unless you've been born again. Amen. Once you've been born again, the power to live this life is on the inside of you. And so we are able uh, to um, slay the flesh and, and walk in a renewed mind and conduct ourselves accordingly. See each other according to the word. Amen? Not according to this world. Stop taking on the opinions of this world. Don't casually sit and allow them to infect you. Do you understand? God loves all humanity. He's no respecter of persons. It's easy right now uh, to be hating on Russians. We could hate on all kinds of people if you feed on the news. Did you know that God loves the Russians? He loves Putin. Pretty hard concept. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Might have to scratch that from the tape. I'm not sure. But anyhow, he loves the Ukrainians. He loves all people. Africans, Asians. He loves all people. Europeans. Right? Hallelujah. 
God is not an American. Do you understand? He loves all people. And so we have to be mindful of, of taking on philosophies, taking on um, attitudes, taking on uh, uh, these things that actually are very dangerous for your heart. And that's why the Bible says to guard your heart with all diligence. So I'm committed to God who is committed to humanity. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, whosoever, whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Praise God that everyone is a whosoever. No matter what continent you are on or came from, it does not matter. No matter what village, what family, what people, he's no respecter of persons. So I'm committed to God and his ways. I'm committed to that. Therefore, I am committed to humanity, all people. No matter how they think, no matter how they vote, no matter who they think they belong to, I am called to love them and to present the gospel to them and show them what Jesus looks like. Amen. And so I'm, I'm committed as Jesus was committed in so much that he laid down his life, went into hell and rose from the dead. He conquered hell and death on my behalf. I am committed to not know any bounds of love. Because his love had no boundaries. And I can love up to this point. He loved to the uttermost. He loved and went to the bottom. The Bible says, in one translation, said he drank the dregs of death's bitter cup. For me. Lord knows I was down there with the worst. Hallelujah. Well, this has been a long introduction to this message. When you think about all the different uh, religions of the world, uh, um, Islam uh, requires its sons to be martyrs. But our God gave his son. It is a great argument point for witnessing to Islamic people. He's like, let me tell you something about uh, my God. He's not requiring your son. He gave his. <laughs> and you know, and what's interesting in the Quran, it, it speaks more of Jesus than it does of Muhammad. Interesting stuff. So God himself is committed to humanity. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. This is uh, the King James Version. It says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. God is still committed. Jesus Christ is still committed to his church. Glory to God. It's not a one-way street. Amen. Amen. He's not requiring of us anything that he hasn't done and is not doing. Amen. 
You understand? And uh, in the Amplified, it says it this way. Therefore, he is able also to save to the uttermost, completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him, since he is always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. Whew, that is so amazing. God is truly committed. Hallelujah. You have Christians, the devil lies to people and tells them, well, you ain't saved. You ain't saved because of how you thought or how you acted or how, you know, and gives reasons why you ain't saved. But it's a lie because when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you were born again, uh, God is committed to you till the end. He is the beginner. He is the finisher. He is the author, Right? Praise God. The father is called uh, the vine dresser, the gardener. He's overseeing the process. He's committed to you. Fully, wholeheartedly. God himself. Moving you into a position of effectiveness. Moving you into a position of fruitfulness. And it's always he who is tugging at your heart to go this direction. To move into this area. To do those things. And you know if you have been drawn by God into something that it was he who brought you there. And if you resist him and resist him and resist him. That's what the scriptures call being calloused. That you have, he's rubbed you in a place that you're not responding to and it becomes callous. When you become insensitive, when you become non-responsive, when you can walk in a certain way that is in conflict with God, you find yourself feel more comfortable and it's an easier thing. But God never gave up. It was you that became callous. You say, well, how come Christians live this way? It's because they, they um, uh, refute the moving of the Holy Spirit. They refute and resist the Holy Spirit's pulling and drawing. And they pretty soon they feel real comfortable with doing X, Y, Z, you name it. From simply not even showing up to the house of God to doing all kinds of craziness. People will, will resist the Holy Spirit until they come up with their own philosophies that do not line up with God's word. And I share the gospel all the time, so I run into them all the time. Well, you don't have to go to church. And I tell them, and you don't have to breathe. And you don't have to eat. And you don't have to do a lot of things. But if you don't, they will affect you adversely. And not going to church is one of those. Hello? Praise the Lord. People use the statement, well, you know, if you don't go to church, you know, blah, blah, blah. Don't go into church. Don't make you this. Like being parked in the garage doesn't make you a car. And going to McDonald's is make you a hamburger. And they come up with all these weird sayings. You know, there's no hamburgers in the Bible. McDonald's isn't in the Bible. And you ain't no hamburger. We are Christians, children of the Most High, of which he has laid out before us clearly how we are to conduct ourselves. And what being committed to him means is hearing his voice and obeying his command. I am not my own. I was bought with a price. Hallelujah. I don't get to just pick and choose. 
I hate to think about how many people we have dismissed from our lives that God brought into our life that we needed to become the most effective us we were supposed to be. But we decided that they're not right and I don't need them. You can't do that. Are you committed to God or are you committed to your own thoughts? Worse than that, your own feelings. They hurt my feelings. Maybe they needed to be hurt. People do all kinds of stuff they feel like doing. Right? Christian, I'm talking about Christians now. We're talking about the people of God. And they get themselves in all kinds of trouble. But I'm committed to God. I'm committed to his word. I'm committed to conducting myself in a way that would please him. And conducting myself in a way that God would be glad to be inside of me and flow through me to others. I want to be used by God and I don't want to grieve the Holy Ghost. I want people to experience him as as much as possible. Don't you? We want that. And the world, they need us to be that. Committed to him. Committed to his word. Praise God. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it shall be done for you. He said, without me, you can do nothing. Seems like a certain level of commitment to the word. Right? Hallelujah. So we're looking at getting ourselves committed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's committed. God is committed to you. In the Amplified, I just love this in the Amplified. It says, Let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Woo! Woo! Somebody say woo! (laughs) Glory to God. God, if you say, say, I got you. I got you. Francis, he's got you. He's got us. We go through some difficulties. We go through some challenges. We go through some dark things where the enemy, hello, and things look grim. Things look hopeless. But God is saying, I will never, I will never, I will never, woo, I will never leave you helpless. Woo. Mm-mm-mm. He is our help. He is our ever-present help in time of need. 
How many of you said, Lord, I need you. <laughs> I know I am. I need you right now. I just need you. <laughs> Does that hurt, man? Uh, I need some help. Yeah. And sometimes there's just not enough weights in the gym. I always say it's better to lift instead of pimp slap. And that's not what God's called us to do, right? And uh, if you yield to that, you'll get yourself in trouble. So while I'm working through stuff, sometimes I would go to the gym, and, and, and I would say, I would take it out on the weights. <gasps> you wonder how I got this big. You know, it's like, you know. In the meantime, you know, Lord, help me. <laughs> I'm not a violent person. Don't want to be. Thank God for his grace to process difficulty in the way that he would have us to do so. And that's who you go to because he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's why we're here and not in prison. Hallelujah. Praise God. In Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Everybody say looking. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise God. Uh, that, that he has set down means that he has put himself in position to be there now that we can do the same thing he did. That we also set our face towards the purpose and the plan of God, no matter how difficult it is, we have somebody who went before us and did the ultimate difficult thing, laying down his life. Now we can lay down our lives. We can do what he has called us to do. We are equal to and greater than the task that is before us because he is empowering you. He's inside of you, and he'll never leave you helpless. He'll never leave you alone. He's going to strengthen you and give you the ability to fight Follow through to the end and be a strong finisher. Because I am not alone. Praise the Lord. I am not alone. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. When the snakes were biting them, Moses lifted up a serpent on a pole and, and said, As long as you look at this. You will not die from the serpent's bites. 
Jesus said, I will be lifted up just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. What does that mean? Is that when we look unto Jesus and the work of the cross and redemption flows into us, we can overcome any attack of Satan, anything the devil would try to do to us or humans or whatever the name is. It doesn't matter. There is no other name uh, that is greater than the name of Jesus. So we look to the cross where my strength and redemption flows and I am overcoming, I'm overcoming every obstacle. And Paul in so much said, you are more than a conqueror through Christ, through Christ who strengthens you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Ha, ha, ha. God is so good. In the New Living Translations of verse 2, it says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah to Jesus. I recall my, uh, I had a dog. His name was Pirate because he had, it was kind of a white, white dog with black patches and had one patch over one eye, so I called him Pirate. And uh, so he was, he was a really cool dog, and everybody knew that was my dog, and he knew he was my dog. And he was only about this big, you know. And uh, so um, my family uh, blew apart. My mom remarried. We went to Barstow, California. It's just this side of hell. And uh, so <laughs> moved from Washington, beautiful green, out into the desert where it was 100 and whatever all the time. And it rained twice the whole year, you know. And in Washington, it sunshined twice. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But uh, so, so it was such a, a shock for me, you know. But I took my dog with me, you know, and uh, he was my buddy. And uh, one, one day I hear, hear out front, I was in the backyard, and the dog had gotten out into the front. I'm hearing this horrible noise. This dog was like, I'm like, what is wrong? with my dog. He's losing his mind, you know. So, so, so I, I, I come out, and I'm trying to figure out just slowly. I peek around the corner, and, uh, and here my dog is, is looking up at a German shepherd, you know, and, and uh, the, the German shepherd has this worried look on his face because my dog is going, hair standing up on the back of his, you know, and, and, which is really funny, you know, because that dog would have swallowed him like a vitamin. I mean, he's like, you know, picked his teeth, you know. And so, I'm like, and I'm like, I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, this dog's gonna kill my dog, you know? And so I, I came out further and said, pirate. And I, you would have thought that I said, kill. Yeah. And he knew, now my help cometh. That little dog changed from worry to psychopath <laughs> and lunged at this dog. That dog, uh, fear gripped this, this German shepherd. And, uh, and, and so he takes off running out of the yard. And in Barstow, it's on a hill. And it's, it's almost like San Francisco, you know, those, those rolling down streets and stuff like that. So I'm watching my dog. I'm screaming at my dog. And he's, he's after the German shepherd, you know. I'm, I'm going to kill you, man. You better run. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. And that German says, oh, my God, you know, trying to get away from this little psychopath dog. And that dog, 
My dog, he, he lunges and goes airborne. Thought he was Superman. <laughs> Hit that German shepherd in his neck, and they rolled down the street, and, and that dog screamed and, and, and took off even faster than it was running before, and my dog shook himself off <laughs> and came back. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, I tell you what, but I tell you what, when you know that he is with you, you are not moved by giants. You are not moved by circumstances. You are not moved by the size or the fur of the situation, nor the sharp teeth, nor the history of those dogs, what they've done to others. All you know is he is with you. I've got this. There is nothing too big for my God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah to Jesus. So I just encourage you to examine your hearts, how we live, how we conduct ourselves, how we posture ourselves. What are we doing in relationship with what the Father has uh, actually required of us? And yield yourself to him because there are great things that God has for you. There are giants in between you and your victory, but that is of no consequence because giants are our bread. What you doing? Eating giants. That's what Caleb said. Giants are our bread. We are well able to go in and take the land. Hallelujah. Praise God.